0: You're listening to Rabbi Arya Wulby, Director of Torch, the Torah Outreach Resource Center of Houston. This is the Jewish Inspiration Podcast. Good morning, everybody. So let's begin an incredible story I just read this week. There was a man who lived in one of the suburban cities in Israel, and uh, he found out that his friend was sitting shiva in jerusalem a very good friend of his so he got on a bus and traveled all the way to jerusalem to visit this friend and to pay a shiva call so uh, he's sitting there paying the shiva call you can see that his friend's eyes light up when he sees him he's all was all excited and they're sitting for a few minutes when this individual gets a phone call He gets a phone call. While he's paying a shiva call to his friend, he gets a phone call. So he looks at his phone. It's his father. Father's an elderly man. So he says to to, to the person he's visiting, he says, if you don't mind, this is my father. I'm just going to take this call. So he steps outside and he takes the call from his father. His father says, listen, where are you right now? He says, I'm in Jerusalem. I'm paying a shiva call for my friend. He says, listen, it's right now about 9 o'clock, 9.30 in the morning. At 12 o'clock, I'm going to a specific doctor in Ramat Gan and I would like for you to be there because I'm going to be having some procedure. I would like for you to be there. He's planning to spend the morning with his friend but he has the incredible opportunity to do the mitzvah of Kibbutz Aveim, honoring your father and mother. So he says, okay, fine, I'll figure it out. I'm going to take a couple, of, he has to take a, two buses to get there and he's going to, um, he's going to rush there. Fine, so he... Walks back into the shiva house and he tells his friend, "You know, so an emergency came up, and I need to rush. I'm so sorry that I have to cut this visit short. You know, I, I've been looking forward to sitting with you." And to, so he says, "No, no, no, it's no problem. It's an emergency. Go do what you need to do." He gets on one bus, and then he gets on another bus, and he's trying to beat the clock to be there. And his father calls him up. He says, "Where are you?" He says, "I'm about I'm a few minutes away. I'm I'm almost there." Right, I'm almost at at your location where you told me to be to meet you. He says, "Never mind." He says, "I already had the procedure, and I'm on my way home." And you wonder, he's like, he left this. He, you imagine how his day went, right? He woke up early, you know, early in the morning, got on a bus to travel all the way to Jerusalem, then got on a bus to travel here, then switched buses to to go there to be with his father, and then his father's upset at him that he, you know. He says, what can I do? I tried my best. I tried my best. What can I do? But meanwhile, he gets off the bus, and he looks around, and he sees this little mini market, you know, the makolet, they call it in Hebrew. It's a makolet, a little shop, a little, a little. you know, see, he figures he needs to go to the restroom. He's going to walk in there, and he's going to ask him if he can use the restroom. He goes in, and he says to the, the shopkeeper uh, owner, he says, uh, do you mind? Can I use your bathrooms? He says, sure, no problem. Very nice. Very, very welcoming. a non-religious guy, and um, he says to him, he says, if you don't mind, I have my tefillin with me. I can't bring them into the bathroom. He says, do you mind holding my tefillin for me while I go to the bathroom? So the storekeeper says, of course, but on one condition, on one condition. The condition is that you let me put them on. Okay? He says, no problem comes back out of the bathroom and he sees the shopkeeper with tattoos and everything is has the tefillin wrapped around his hand he has the tefillin over his head and he's so excited so this man obviously a rabbi right asks him he says what's what's going on like what, what you know how do you know how to put on tefillin even you know it's like he says let me tell you my grandfather had When I was at Bar Mitzvah, he bought me a pair of tefillin. And he said, as his legacy, the only thing he wants me to do is to never miss a day of putting on tefillin. To never miss a day. He says, this morning, this morning, I woke up late, had to run open up my, my, my mini market. My people need bread and they need milk. He says, and I ran to the store, opened up the store, and I didn't get a chance to put on my tefillin. He says, the entire morning I was praying to God, please, I need, I can't miss a day. Please make it so that I have a pair of tefillin to wear today because by the time he gets home, it's going to be after nightfall and he's going to miss the opportunity. He says, please, Hashem, send me a messenger. Send me a pair of tefillin so that I can wear tefillin and not miss a day. And here you walk in a religious Jew No religious Jew walks into this. This is not a religious area. No religious Jews walk in here. And you put your tefillin right in my hand. He says, Hashem doesn't forsake a single prayer. So imagine this individual had to get up early to travel to Jerusalem, to travel here, to travel there, to get on a bus here, to to, to just get off a bus randomly, all so that this individual can get his peer of tefillin. How amazing is that? So I'll tell you something. The Almighty, this is something we need to understand. The Almighty loves our prayers. He loves our desires to be close to Him. He loves the connection. And we sometimes think, Me, I'm in Houston, Texas. I'm a little nobody. God doesn't even know that I'm there. Does He God loves every single Jew no matter how close or how far we are there's no such thing that a person is distant from the almighty it's just like there was a man who had a child who turned away from Judaism left completely had nothing to do with Judaism the father was very very sad he never spoke about it he never spoke about a son that had that had strayed from the path one day he overheard a conversation of two individuals Who we're talking about the power of repentance. That if someone repents, even though they've been so distant from the Almighty, the Almighty loves them and wants them back. The power of repentance is so great that the Almighty desires our repentance and He wants that closeness. He wants us to return to Him. So this man overheard this conversation. He says, let me tell you. He says, I'm a man of flesh and blood. He says, my son has been been distant from religion, he's been distant from the family, he says, and I'm very upset at him, I'm very upset that he, that he went astray, but if he came back today, I would love him as if nothing ever happened, he says, and I'm a father of flesh and blood, he says, imagine a father up in heaven, how much more so he will forget everything and just take him with an embrace and love him when he returns, we are all that child. We're all that child in our own unique ways. Each one of us have our temptations. Each one of us have our challenges. Each one of us have our things that limit us. And we have to remember that our Father will accept us back no matter what we've done. We may have gone wrong places. We may have done wrong actions. We may have done bad things. But the minute we turn around and say, Hashem, please accept my Teshuvah, Forgive me for my sins. There's no such thing that Hashem says no. And that is Yom Kippur. Till now, the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about Rosh Hashanah getting into the frame of mind of making God the king over our world. We're crowning God as the king. That's why we blow the shofar. The shofar's like the trumpets that are that are are, are are uh pronounced before a king walks in. If you know the president before a president walks in, the shvarim trua, right? Shvarim trua, right? They 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 blow the shofar. That's what happens before royalty. Not with right understanding that that's what we do on Rosh Hashanah. On Rosh Hashanah we blow the shofar for the Almighty, and we're saying Hashem, we went astray. Hashem, we didn't realize. We got carried away. We didn't realize that you're right here. You're so close to us. And we declare on Rosh Hashanah, Rosh Hashanah, we don't do any repentance. On Rosh Hashanah, we don't ask for forgiveness. On Rosh Hashanah, we just do one thing. We celebrate that we recognize the relationship with Hashem. That is the objective of Rosh Hashanah. That we stop everything, thats all the chaos that's going on in the world. And we say there's no election coming up. There's nothing coming up right now. The only thing that's coming up is that we're recognizing that we've removed God from our day-to-day lives. And we're bringing him back. We're saying, God, you have a place in our lives again. God, you have a place in our souls again. Come back in. We want you back in our lives. And we blow the shofar. And we just, one purpose, the whole Rosh Hashanah is one purpose. Making God our king once again. Then, when we establish that, we take it to the next step. Which is, we establish that we may have done things wrong without the recognition that Hashem was right there. That Hashem hears every word from us. That Hashem sees every action. He sees our thoughts. He sees our intention we may have sinned and that's when we get into stage 2 which is Yom Kippur mode and Yom Kippur mode is asking for forgiveness Yom Kippur mode and it's an amazing thing because we can all say you know i'm not such a righteous person i'm going to make believe on Yom Kippur i'm going to wear white and i'm going to be as as you know i'm i'm going to distance myself from all of my distractions my physical distractions my food right my consumption distractions we don't eat we don't drink we don't have any marital relations we distance ourselves from all of our trappings because we're right now we're realizing you know what i may have used those to distance myself now i'm going to limit myself so that i can be all in the zone perfect for one day and like we said we brought this example previously yishmael who was a not a good kid and we, God knew that the future of Ishmael, which is Islam, might do terrible things for the Jewish people. And yet, Hashem said, I'm not judging him by his past. I'm not pa- judging him by his future. I'm judging him by his present. And Ba'asher Husham, the Torah says, how is Yishmael at that moment? At that moment he was righteous. God says, give him life. At that moment he repented, give him life. At that moment he was worthy. That's what counts. And the Almighty is judging us on Yom Kippur, not by our past and not by our future. Even though the Almighty sees our future, Almighty knows our past. But at the present, at the moment we're standing at Yom Kippur, we're righteous. That's what the Almighty counts. And He judges us by that. And He forgives us based on that sincerity of that moment. Does that mean that we're never going to sin again? No. Does that mean that we are going to stand by all of the things that we accept upon ourselves? No. But what it does mean is that the Almighty is telling us that I See you for who you are right now. I see the potential. I see how much you're capable of. And I believe in you. That is Yom Kippur. Now, there's a process to teshuva. Teshuva, repentance, has four steps in it. There's four steps in teshuva, And we'll go through it right now. Number one is Aziva Sachet, leaving the sin. Leaving the sin, what does that mean? If someone is a thief, you can't be stealing someone's phone while you're saying, please forgive me, please forgive me, right? That doesn't work. You have to stop stealing. You have to leave the actual sin. That's step one of repentance. Number two is vidu, you have to confess. You have to verbally own up to your wrong deeds. Own up to it. God. I sinned. I made a mistake. I did something wrong. Step one, you gotta leave it. It's like they say. The example given in the in, in the Talmud is someone going into the ritual bath into the mikveh while holding a dead animal in his hand. Right, tovel v'sheretz biado. The dead animal makes you ritually impure. Going into the mikvah makes you pure. But if you're going into the mikvah while holding something that's ritually impure, it's not going to cleanse you. Get it out of your hand, and then you can go in the mikvah. It'll cleanse you. But you can't expect for it to cleanse you from your ritual impurity when you're holding it still in your hand. So a person has to let go of the sin. Distance yourself from it. Aziva sachet. Leave the sin then you could become pure step 2 verbally hold yourself accountable for it number 3 regret i regret that i did it number 1 I, no, number 1 leave the sin number 2 verbally confess your sin number 3 regret your sin and number 4 accept for the future not to do it again Verbally. So now if you take, let's say, you insulted someone. So insulting someone is different. Why is insulting someone different? Because you have to seek forgiveness from the individual. But if a person, if a person did a sin to the Almighty, whatever that sin may be, it's easier. It's only four steps. Not five steps. Five steps is when you do a sin towards another individual. You have to seek forgiveness from that individual. But to seek forgiveness from God is easier. Number one, we have to just stop doing the sin. Get that impurity out of your hand. Stop doing it, whatever it may be. Number two is a person needs to verbally confess. Number three, he needs to accept, the person needs to accept and regret what they've done. And number four is to have to accept for the future that they won't do it again. They have to resolve, I'm going to stay away from this in the future. And those are the very four, very easy four steps, the simple steps of repentance. And what we need to do is take every, if a person can write down the mistakes they made this year and go through a process with each one of them, you know? I've neglected to whatever it is. Okay, I've neglected to do something. Okay, how do I I fix this? You have a four-step process to fix it. If there's another person involved, there's a fifth step is asking them forgiveness. So, for example, if someone speaks Lashon Hara, someone speaks slanderously about another person, number one is you have to distance yourself from slander. Stop talking about other people. Number two, is you have to confess, I said something wrong about this person, about another person. Number three is you have to regret it. I regret that I did this. I hurt somebody. And number four is I accept for the future that I won't do it again. And then because it involves another person, you have step five is going to them and asking forgiveness. And to go to them, call them up and say, I spoke about you negatively. I said something that was wrong. I need your forgiveness. I mentioned to you last week that I got a phone call last year from an individual. I didn't get the details of it. I still don't know what they did. But they were crying so genuinely and so sincerely that I couldn't not forgive them. But they said they did something terrible to me. I had no idea what they've ever done to me. I really don't. They're nice people. I don't know what they did to me. But they they were crying profusely. Please forgive us. Please forgive us. I don't know what it was. I really don't know what it was. I don't know what they said. I don't know what they did. And of course I forgive them because I saw their sincerity. I saw how genuine they were in their request. Right? Someone calls you right before Yom Kippur crying, bitter tears. Right? How can you not forgive? I don't know. Right? (laughs) Right. So that that's that's a it's it's a big step that someone is able to do that. So we have to recognize that Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur are deadlines of sorts. Right Rosh Hashanah is the deadline of recognizing that Hashem is the king the creator of heaven and earth and Yom Kippur is the deadline of our Teshuvah. we need to recognize that it is the day of it's it, it's the closing day that's it this is the day where all the action happens we had now it's almost uh, almost 30 days it's going to it's now probably 24 days in right today's i believe the 24th of Elul Today is the last Sunday of the year. You realize that? The last Sunday of the year. And tomorrow is going to be the last Monday of the year. And every one of these days, our sages tell us, is an opportunity to perfect all of the Sundays, all of the Mondays of the entire year, all of the Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays of the entire year to make them special. And this Shabbos, as mentioned previously, was the last Shabbos of the year. It is a, a special time to really make every day count, particularly that it's the last week of the year. So that's an excellent question. The question is, what is Hoshana Rabbah, and how how does Hoshana Rabbah fit into the uh, calendar, the Jewish calendar? So let me explain. Rosh Hashanah, the book is opened. Okay, we have these 10 days to show our uh, our cards. Yom Kippur, the book, it, it is sealed. Our judgment is sealed. However, it's not yet mailed it gets dropped in the mail on Ashana Rabba. And Ashana Rabba is the last chance for that envelope to be opened, have that judgment that was sealed changed before it gets dropped in the mail. That's the idea in modern, with modern uh, uh, examples, but the idea that it is a, um, an opportunity for us to change that judgment. We have the power to change the judgment. That's why we have prayer. Just because there is fate or there is something which is predestined for us, that doesn't mean that we don't have the power to influence it. We have an unbeliever. That's why we pray for people who are sick. We pray for people who are ill because we do have the power to influence the heavens. And when people pray, God listens. What's that advertisement for that radio station? God listens. It's a great advertisement. God does. He really does. So it's a time to become what we want to be, Yom Kippur, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, the High Holidays, is really a special time for us to become the person we want to be. See, we always have an idea in our mind, one day I'll be there, one day I'll become that, one day I'll fix this, one day, when is that one day? Now is that one day. Says, as people would say, today is the tomorrow you said yesterday. Every day we push off ah, tomorrow. Today is that tomorrow that you said yesterday. This is the Rosh Hashanah, the Yom Kippur that we're about to experience is the time that we said, you know what, one day, one day I'll be perfect. One day I'll repent for it. Ah, don't bother me now. Ah, I don't want to I don't want to deal with it now. I can deal with it another time. Today is that day. And this Sunday is the last Sunday of the year. It's the last Sunday we can perfect our Sundays by working on today to be a good day, not to get angry, not to get upset, not to, not to yell or scream at anyone, not to be, to be, uh, and instead to be kind, to be patient, to be gentle with other people. This is the opportunity. It really is such a special time that we have this privilege to, to, um, it says that Teshuva reaches God's throne. Truva at kisea cavot, right? God's holy throne, that's where our Thuva goes to. We think our Thuva is like, what? It's right over here. I'm just no 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 no. It ascends all the barriers from here to the throne of the Almighty and stands in front of the Almighty. Now we have to understand that we have many forces in this world. We have forces of good and we have forces of evil. Essentially what Rosh Hashanah is, is the, where we have potentially powers of evil that say, ah, this person, this person didn't do such good things this year. Maybe we shouldn't reinvest in him. I'd imagine if you, and we said, we gave this example numerous times, right? Imagine you were an investor in a company and you had the choice of reinvesting. So what do you look at? You look at the profit and loss. Is this a worthwhile investment? Well, the Almighty is our investor, and He looks at our profit and loss. He says, "Well, let me weigh the mitzvahs versus the sins. Is this a worthwhile investment?" Yikes! I'm not so sure this is a good investment. And then you have the uh, the prosecutor over here saying, "Well, uh, Mr. Pre- Mr. Mr. President, or Mr. Mr. God, Mr. Judge." Maybe this is not such a good investment because look, you know they've short-sold us, sold us here, short-sold us here. We didn't get what we wanted there. We didn't get the good deeds out of them there. Maybe it's not worth, not a worthwhile investment for the future. And we—that's what we need our teshuva for. That's what we need our prayers for to say, no, 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 no. We got this under control because we're changing. We're a different person, and our sages tell us this is such an important and powerful idea that on Rosh Hashanah. If we do teshuva, what happens is, is that we become a different person. We're not the same person as we were last year. Last year, you're talking about 2020 or 5780 in the Jewish calendar. That was a different me. (laughs) Look at me now. Look at me a week ago. I was a different person. They say, you know what? You're right. That judgment we wanted to give you was on a different person. Now you're a new person. We're going to give you another year. Because you may change. And we have to know that it is unbelievably powerful, the teshuva that we present. Even for something very, very small, make a resolution, I'm going to change. We all have things we need to change. We all have things. Find something small, even teeny, teeny, tiny, small that you can change and you're a different person because of it. And you can stand with confidence in front of the Almighty saying, Hashem, look at me. I've made a change, even if it's a small change, a small action that I'm adding to my life. Even if it's an action of, I'm going to light Shabbos candles. I'm going to learn for three minutes a day. I'm going to open up a Jewish book and read it myself. It's changing who you are. Very powerful. We have an unbelievable opportunity with Russia, Hashanah and Yom Kippur. We bring about, it says that Teshuva brings about redemption, not only for the world, but for each and every one of us. You've been listening to the Jewish Inspiration Podcast, a Torch production. Become a supporter at torchweb.org because your assistance enables more Torah learning around the globe. To find more lessons offered by Torch, please visit torchpodcasts.com.